I'm going to share five keys to what I have found are really important to, to really um, connecting with God in the garden. And then I'm, gonna, I'm going to talk about um, what I consider a living parable in the garden and draw out some lessons that I've learned. And I'm sure there's many more that you can learn as we share together here. So I'm just going to be on this. Well, so the key number one, expect it to be hard. And, you know, that seems so obvious in a way. But yet when we started out somehow, I don't know. Again, I'm just slow. But somehow I thought since God, we knew God had called us to agriculture that somehow he was going to just bless it and it was going to be easy you know i mean i knew it wasn't going to be easy but it was going to be wow this is amazing god's blessing and everything's going great well that was not our reality our reality was it was gruelingly hard at times and it's like and i and so the breakthrough came one night i can still remember exactly where i was i was outside i would just go outside to wrestle with the lord and say lord what is going on here you called us to this and yet it seems like everything we do fails what's what's what am i missing here and and it was like the proverbial light bulb went off it was one of those moments, of course it's going to be hard. Who doesn't want you in the garden? Where did God create you to be? He created man to live and work in the garden. And so who's going to try to keep you out? The devil is going to do everything he can. And has he done a pretty good job of keeping people out of the garden? Incredible. I mean, he's got a thousand ways to keep us out of the garden. So expect it to be hard. And I have a quote here. You know, I mean, Jesus calls up us to take up the cross, right? I mean, a cross is not an easy instrument, right? So here's a quote. While our first parents obeyed God, their labor in the garden was a pleasure. And the earth yielded of its abundance for their wants. But when man departed from obedience, he was doomed. That's a bad word, right? Doomed to wrestle. That's a hard word, right? With the seeds of Satan's sowing and to earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. Henceforth, he must battle. Again, you know, this, this is fighting terms here. He must battle in toil and hardship against the power to which he had yielded his will. You know, we can't blame anybody else. We yielded our will, but it's going to be hard. So don't think anything else. You know, you see these idyllic pictures. We put them up because, you know, we want you to think it's idyllic. But I'm, I'm letting you in on a secret. It's hard. It's hard. Okay, number two, carve out space for quiet. You know, again, I think we have these, these idyllic notions that, you know, we're just going to be out there in the garden smelling the flowers and watching the bees buzz and... And um, it's just going to be this wonderful experience of communing with God. Well, my experience is, yes, I have had those moments, but it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. Um, even in the garden, it's too easy to have our minds filled with cares of this world or audio verse, or podcasts, or audio books, or you know what I'm talking about? You know, this technology is great. You know, I, there are times, if you've got a really, really hard task, maybe you need 
to listen to a good inspiring sermon on audio verse to keep you going you know when you're in the greenhouse in the summer and, and you're just pouring buckets of sweat you need some distraction so I'm not saying there's not a place for listening to audio verse in the garden but what I am saying is that too often we're not communing with God you know sermons are good right but wouldn't you rather learn straight from God himself and he wants to speak to us and we've got to say Lord talk to me help me I've got this challenge I don't know what how to deal with it teach me that's what he wants and and I confess that to uh, you know because we're doing it as market gardeners um, I'm often thinking of you know how can I do this more efficiently how can I make more money and you know it's not about we're not trying to get rich by any means but we're just I'm thinking if I can do this more efficiently I don't have to work as many hours and so I can spend more time with that agra or this or that all these other good things I'd like to be doing so you know that's all time I'm not communing with God and and I want more of this time in cultivating the soil the worker knows little what treasures will open up before him while he is not to despise the instruction he may gather from minds that have had an experience so there's a place to learn from books there's a lot of good books we've got many of them down in the ad agra booth by people who are doing an amazing job of market gardening we can learn from them but the vast majority of them are not even Christian so we're not going to learn the whole truth from them um, from the information that intelligent men may impart he should gather lessons for himself this is a oh I think I messed up the quote here while he is not to despise the instruction he may gather from minds that have had an experience and from the information that intelligent man may impart he should gather lessons himself so the key is God wants to teach you personally not just through me or through anybody else this is a part of his training I love this last sentence the cultivation of the soil will prove an education to the soul isn't that beautiful okay and so this number three goes along with it have a mindset of God as instructor it really goes with that previous quote it was hard there's so many quotes it's hard to pick but um, you know again it's good to learn from these other people but it's easy to start relying on them and, and going to them as your first impulse you know if I've got a problem I'm gonna see what Connor Crickmore does about it or whatever but God wants to teach us God wants to be our instructor he who taught Adam and Eve in Eden how to tend the garden desires to instruct men today isn't that amazing there is wisdom for him who drives the plow and sows the seed before those who trust and obey him God will open ways of advance let them move forward courageously trusting in him to supply their needs according to the riches of his goodness beautiful God wants to instruct us and this is another neat one this is Mrs. White talking to the faculty and students at Hillcrest School, which was just outside of Nashville. How many of you have heard of Hillcrest School? A few. But um, she said to them, you are not working alone. When you are tempted to become discouraged, remember this. Angels of God are right around you they will minister to the very ground and the earth causing it to give forth its treasures 
it chokes me up. Um, you know, God is out there with us in the sweat and the toil and the angels are wanting to minister to the ground. Okay, and this, I love this, number four, let the physical explain the spiritual and vice versa. This is the beauty, you know, we've got one creator for it all, right? So he, he uses the same laws. I mean, they're all his laws, but he can teach us spiritual lessons from the garden, but he can also teach us practical lessons from the spiritual realm. Does that make sense? And it's wonderful. And again, I wish I could say I have done this more, but it's wonderful when I have a problem, you know, whether it's a disease issue or a pest issue or whatever, and I go to God and say, God, how do I, how do I deal with this? And he gives me a spiritual, well, here, uh, here's just a, a simple, uh, a simple basic example, you know, in the last, since we started farming, we've had fire ants move into our area. We didn't used to have fire ants, but both armadillos and fire ants have moved in. Um, and fire ants are a pain. In a garden, they're a big pain, literally, <laughs> right? And so I, I'm saying, Lord, what am I supposed to do with these things? You know, they're not easy to get rid of. And so I was just kind of impressed. Well, how is he going to get rid of sin? By fire, right? So we got out our big flamethrower, you know, and we just had somebody stirring the pile with a long-handled hoe and somebody else. And they were... Um, they had some eternal destruction there. So, well, it's not as easy as you would think because you've got to get the queen, you know, so you've got to do some digging. It's not a simple solution, but we got rid of a lot of fire ants. And, and a lot of the, the, the nest, we had to come back and do it a second or third time. So, yeah. I mean, we got, we got rid of fire ants that way. Well, I mean, I shouldn't, I, not, it, it's not like the whole problem was eradicated, but um, we did get, them, get rid of them in certain areas. Now, of course, you know, you got to be careful because if you've got stuff growing there, you're liable to do more harm than good. But it is, it is one way you can try to deal with them. It just for illustration purposes. Um, okay, we didn't read this one, did we? How much the student of nature can learn of God if at the same time he will become a student of the word? If with the word of God in your heart, you go forth to break up and cultivate the soil, you will find your heart softened and subdued by the Holy Spirit of God. The mind will be opened to the teachings of God in the natural world. Isn't that beautiful? So we go out to the garden with the word of God, either in our hearts or in our hands, and um, he's going to teach us spiritual lessons. Okay. Oh, one more here. He who gave the parable of the tiny mustard seed is the sovereign of heaven. And the same laws that govern earthly seed sowing and reaping govern the sowing of the seeds of truth. It's the same laws. So this is the beauty of, of the garden. This is why God put us there. You know, as, as Scott was talking about last night, there was no Bibles um, you know, Adam and Eve learned directly from God himself, 
and from the garden. And we can learn the same way in the garden. And number five, do everything you know to do and then trust God to do what you can. You know, there's this incredible balance. And, and I, you know, when I hear theologians debating about righteousness by faith, I just think, you know, you guys need to go out and spend some time in the garden. Um, there's no question about righteousness by faith in the garden. You do everything you know to do, and God does what you can't do. It's as simple as that. There's nothing deep and theological about it. You know, we try to... Somehow we think we, we can do better than learning from the garden. You know, we can go to school and get educated, right? Um, God wants to teach us in the garden. God has given, a, um, given man land to be cultivated, but in order that the harvest may be reaped, there must be harmonious action between divine and human agencies. The plow and other implements of labor must be used at the right time. The seed must be sown in its season. Man is not to fail of doing his part. If he is careless and negligent, his unfaithfulness testifies against him. The harvest is proportionate to the energy he has expended. So it is in spiritual things. And it goes on. I wish I could have included the whole quote. But, you know, there's no excuses in the garden. That's one thing I learned early on. You know, we like to make excuses. Oh, well, you know, this went, hap this went bad and this happened and... I mean, there's no room for excuses. I messed up. You know, I didn't do what I should have done. Um, and I, I've learned the garden is a hard taskmaster. You know, somehow growing up not in the garden, you think, you know, well, the, the weather report says it's going to be 37 and even though it can be up to 10 degrees colder you know because we're kind of in a we're bottom land frost pocket kind of thing I'm tired and I don't want to go out there and cover up those crops and I think it'll be fine does that work <laughs> I mean now, can God perform miracles? Yes, he can. And he has for us uh, more than once. But almost always, if we haven't done our part, he says, you know what? I hate to do this to you, but you've got to learn this lesson. Um, and boy, you learn. You don't have to go through that too many times before you learn. Okay, so those are five keys, and, and I'm sure there's many others. But let's talk about some illustrations now. And I, I just realized that I, I brought my Bible over here, but I've left it somewhere on the way. But I have my phone. Not quite the same, but let's, let's look at... A very familiar passage, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. And I want to draw out some things from this. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, and, you know, that cleaning and pruning is the same root word there, because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So what's the goal here? Fruit bearing. And how do you bear fruit? Abiding. So we're going to talk a little bit about grafting here. And there's amazing lessons to learn. And, you know, I'm really excited because in the last couple of years, we've started growing a few muscadine. We've never grown grapes because in our part of the country, it's a mistake to even try, in my opinion, to grow grapes. But muscadines are kind of grapes, kind of like grapes, and they're native to this part of the country, and so they tend to do very well organically. But I'm just excited because now I'm learning to train vines and do all these things that I've never done before. Um, but today I, I'm, I'm going to talk about grafting tomatoes. But before we do that, I want to just look at this other passage because I think most people aren't familiar with Leviticus 19:23 to 25 and this is this is talking about um, pruning I would call it pruning Leviticus chapter 19 verses 23 to 25 when you come into the land and plant any kind of tree for food, then you shall regard its fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden to you. It must not be eaten. And in the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat of its fruit to increase its yield for you. I am the Lord your God. Are you familiar with that one? Okay. So do you do that? Why, why do you think God asks us to do that? Trust. Okay. Well, if a fruit tree is putting all of its energy into fruit production, Okay, that's, that's a well-known scientific fact. If you let, and, and again, you know, with the things we're talking about here, I want you to be always saying, okay, how does this apply to the spiritual? If you let trees bear too young, they don't get a good root system established. So depending on what kind of plant it is, I mean, that's often... You know, that's stuff the, the research stations will tell you. But the Bible told you long before, right? You take off the blossoms, the fruit, the first few years and let that tree really get established. And then, and, and I love the, you know, the fourth year, all the fruit shall be holy. You know, we love to give first fruits and I think it's, uh, it's a wonderful test. Because, you know, you've been, you've been working with those strawberries and you're seeing they're slowly starting to turn and finally you've got your first ripe strawberries and, oh, you just long to plop that into your mouth. But God says, now give it to me. Can you trust me? Put me first. So we like to take our first picking to our neighbors and we give them to our neighbors and um, it's a great way of checking our selfishness. 
and saying, God, I want to put you first. So, um, you know, the Bible is full of these kind of things to, to teach us and train us. But let's go back to tomatoes. Yes, so when does this class end? 11.45? Oh, great. Okay, good. So, have any of you grafted tomatoes? Okay, a few. Good. Um, have, have any of you grafted fruit trees? A few. Okay. I, I have not grafted fruit trees. I mean, I, I know a little bit about it, but... Um, so I can't really speak for that, but I have done some tomato grafting and the principles are still the same. So in grafting, you've got two parts. You've got the root stock and you've got what? The scion is what they call the part you're grafting onto the root stock. And the whole idea of grafting is that you're grafting on the desired fruit onto an extra hardy, sturdy, vigorous plant or rootstock, right? So Jesus says, I am the rootstock and you are the scion, right? Isn't that kind of what he's saying? And you need to be grafted onto me in order to produce much fruit. So there's incredible illustrations. Uh, you know, if we were a few weeks later with this conference, I could have had some actual things that we could have looked at here, actual plants. But here is, is a, a tray of tomatoes that you take a sharp knife and you cut that root stock, and you don't just, it's hard to see in this picture. In fact, it almost looks like they just cut it straight across. But you always want to cut it at an angle. Why do you want to cut it at an angle? More surface area. More surface area. How much surface area do we want to be in contact with the vine? as much as possible right <laughs> so we need that angle we need as much surface area as possible to be connected to the vine now it's very important that you don't let any um, contamination get on those surfaces right because what happens if there's any kind of contamination it can it can mess up either through disease or whatever but it, you're not going to get a good graft now do you need to to cut the tops and attach them to to the rootstock the same day Okay, so in fruit trees, it has to be within minutes. I mean, the same with tomatoes. It's not once a week connection. You have to, you know, when we are severed from the old life, the old rootstock, we need that connection immediately. And we need a good connection. Now, how how much does that need to be connected do you think 15 minutes a day is enough connection for the scion to be connected to the root stock constant connection you know somehow we think that we can get by with being connected to the root stock you know, for half an hour every morning and maybe all day on Sabbath, right? It's got to be a continual connection. 
If you're, I know it's warm in here. If you're getting drowsy, don't be afraid to stand up. And I learned this from one of my college teachers. She would, she would call you out. So don't let me call you out. If you <laughs> say, go, go get a drink. Okay. Now another thing you'll notice. Look at these scions. Um, does that look like a normal tomato plant? What, what's different about it? Okay, it doesn't have as many leaves on it. You, now, you don't have to do this, but it, it seems to work better if you take off a lot of excessive foliage. Why is that? Okay, because that ex excessive foliage is, is going to take away energy, but it's also transpiring, you know. So it's going to be much easier for the plant to wilt, you know, by taking off those excessive, that excessive foliage, you have, you increase your chances of a good graft there. You know, Mrs. White in Desire of Ages talks about the excessive foliage in our lives that needs to be pruned off. Um, excessive foliage can take away from fruit growth. Okay, so again, you know, we could spend so much time with these illustrations. So after you graft with tomatoes, after you graft the cyan onto the rootstock, and you know, again, you gotta that that connection has to be really good. Then you put it into a healing chamber for two or three days. The healing chamber has low light and high humidity, and um, it gives those those plants a chance to recover. Is it painful to be cut off from your rootstock, your original rootstock? Do you need time to recover and heal? And this is something I, you know, you just need to contemplate and pray about, but I wonder if, if many times, well, I don't know, I almost hate to say it because I don't want to be too controversial, but, you know, when somebody comes to the Lord, when somebody's grafted onto the true vine, the first thing we want to do is encourage them to go out and do great things and give their testimony and everything. And I can't help, and again, you know, I'm taking the, the physical lessons and trying to apply them to the spiritual. I can't help but wonder if maybe we need to just give them time to be in the healing chamber. Are our churches a healing chamber? Um, they should be. And yes, they need, to, they need to share, you know, their testimony and stuff, but maybe we shouldn't put them up on center stage. Um, anyway, so once it's in the healing chamber for a few days, then you start slowly increasing the light, lessening the humidity, and if that graft is good, they're going to start taking off. And the whole purpose for grafting tomatoes is to increase their vigor and increase their disease resistance. And that's, um, that's the purpose of the Christian life, right? increase our vigor and disease resistance um, then after a few weeks usually you pot them on at some point um, but after a few weeks you put them out in the field or many times in the greenhouse because you often do this in early spring and what do you have to make sure about when you plant it Well, you want to make sure that the, that the graft is above the ground. Exactly. You've got to make sure that the graft 
is, is well above the, the ground level. Why is that? Because you don't want the, the scion rooting because you're, you're short-circuiting the whole purpose for grafting. Um, I mean, do you see the lessons here? I mean, it's just amazing. I think too often we, we um, have our graft too near the ground and we start putting out roots from the old life, right? Um, yeah, whether they're self-righteous roots or what. But um, you got to make sure there's no chance of the old man rerooting. I love this. Okay, now you know about suckering. Anybody know about suckering tomatoes? Yes. So, so suckers um, come at the at the joint, or I don't know the proper term. I'm forgetting, but anyway, um, the sucker grows up right there. You see, here's a little one down here and a big one up here. Now, there's different ways to grow tomatoes, and we don't have time to get into this. We're, we're assuming, for sake of this illustration, that we're growing them in a greenhouse and we're trellising them to a string. And you know, what's, what's the, the cord that's let down from above that we're supposed to be hanging on to? Faith. Faith. Um, you know, we're... we're and, and, and of course the faith who holds the cord right um, so these tomatoes are being trained to go up this string and um, I think there's a lot to learn there but you've got these suckers that are wanting to to grow and sometimes some some varieties of tomatoes they just keep suckering, you know, over and over. You got to keep back, coming back and pinching them off. Now, see, if they're small, all you have to do is, is literally just pinch them off or break them off, right? That's simple. You know, what, what, what are those suckers in our lives? Or you don't have to tell the ones in your life, but I mean, you know, these are things that are stealing energy from fruit bearing, right? So you know what those are in your life. And, and if, you can, if you can get them when they're small, nip them in the bud, so to speak, it's not a big deal. Yes, sir. Bondages? Baggage. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, what happens with a bigger sucker? What happens when you try to pinch that off? Usually, it doesn't just snap off, right? It'll kind of tear, and many times you'll end up, you know, tearing down the vine and stuff. And what, what's the problem with that? I mean, you, you've, got a, you've got a wound there that's open to disease and stuff. So with big suckers, you usually need to take pruners and go in there and prune it out. And, you know, <laughs> have you had those in your life that had to take some real work to get out? It's painful, right? The pruning knife can be painful but who's the master gardener and he doesn't do it just to make life hard for us right he has a purpose in it all is this helpful Amen. can you see can you see th this is just an example 
of the kind of lessons that God wants to teach us in the garden. Okay, so as we said at the beginning, the goal is, is fruit bearing. <coughs> um, but the problem is we focus on the fruit bearing. And where is the focus need to be? On the abiding, on that connection with the vine. If we have a good connection, if we have a good graft, then the fruit is going to come because the life of the vine is coming through the branch. And that vine is the true vine. That vine is vigorous and disease not just resistant, but disease-free, right? And so I just, you know, again, I think too often in our Christian experience, we get stuck on the fruit-bearing. You know, either it's, oh, Lord, I just want to bear fruit. You know, I just want to do great things for you. When all he really wants us to focus on is abiding in him. Um, and of course, what happens with others? Um, we we want to be fruit inspectors, right? Now, I do want to just digress a minute there because um, what is what does Jesus say? Therefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Um, and a lot of people think fruit inspection is judging in my mind there's a difference judging is when you're cutting down the tree or pulling out the vine and saying this vine is no good that's not our place to pull out somebody else's vine but God does say Therefore, by their fruits you shall know them. We can look at the fruit of that vine and say, you know, I'm not interested in eating of that fruit. That's not judging. That's fruit inspecting. And, and again, you know, we, we don't want to do it in, I mean, there's redemptive ways we can try to point them to the true vine, right? If they're, if they're a wild rootstock. Um, anyway, so ultimately you're after fruit. So you've got to prune away all those suckers. What's another reason why you don't want the suckers besides its sapping strength from the vine? Okay, prevent you from going farther. Bring you down. Bring you down. Those are all things. Yeah, I mean, it it wants to pull the vine down. Okay, you will have bigger fruit and earlier fruit if you if you keep the vine well suckered. But another thing is that you're opening up the vine to what? Airflow and sunlight. What's airflow and sunlight in the spiritual realm? The Holy Spirit, we often think of as air. What? Numa. Okay. Yes, and um, sunlight. Okay. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So, so that's really, you know, that is the whole point of pruning, or I shouldn't say the whole point, or one of the main points of pruning is to open the plant up to air and sunlight 
because those are the best defenses against disease. And of course, sunlight promotes, well, not only does it kill disease, but it promotes growth, right? Through photosynthesis and everything. But once the plant starts bearing fruit, um, look at this. I, oh, sorry, I didn't advance it. It's not a very good picture, but what do you notice about that fruit? Okay, a lot of branches. Okay, the bottom one here, or as you go down, they get smaller, and, and that one's actually deformed. Um, you often, to get the best fruit, you often have to prune off fruit. And, of course, people who do fruit trees, you know that this is a big part of it. You can have too much fruit, and that can be a problem. And, you know, again, bring that back to the spiritual. What does that look like? Maybe we're trying to produce too much fruit. Um, there's a balance. And this is really important with, with tomatoes. You're... For growers who really know what they're doing, and I'm not quite there yet, <laughs> growers who really know what they're doing, they're trying to balance vegetative and generative growth. And if you have too much, the vegetative, of course, is the, the leaves and everything. If you have too much vegetative growth, you're not going to get as much fruit. But if you have too much um, generative growth, you don't have enough plant to support the fruit. Does that make sense? So I wonder if many times in the Christian experience, we get out of balance. We're either too generative, we're, we're, or let me say too vegetative, where we're kind of too focused on our foliage. Look at me. Aren't I a pretty vine? Um, or we're too focused on the generative where it's like, yeah, well, I did this and I went here and I've converted this many people and God wants to teach us balance in the garden. So, so what do you do in this kind of situation? You need to prune some fruit off. Now, ideally, you would do it long before here. You know, prune it when the fruit are small. But um, the general rule that I've learned is with a beefsteak kind of tomato, a big tomato, you don't want more than three or four max per cluster. And so if you've got more than three or four See, if you took off those bottom two, you would have four beautiful fruit um, rather than six fruit that may be compromised in some way or other. Now, you know, different kinds of tomatoes you have to kind of deal with differently. But, okay, I guess we're about out of time. This is what you're after, right? Uh, Therefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Um, so we've got time for a question or two. And again, you know, this is a very different kind of lesson. But hopefully, my prayer is that it in some way inspired you to go to the garden and say, Lord, teach me from your natural worlds about the spiritual world. Any questions or comments as we bring this to a close? Yes. Yeah, the comment is that anything worth doing is going to be hard. So and we shouldn't be afraid of Exactly. We, we don't want to shy away from hardship and 
privation like they talked about this morning. Any other questions or comments? Yes. Yeah, so the comment was just talking about how the glory really all belongs to the God, to God. And, you know, and this comes back to that righteousness by faith thing. Um, you know, we can do everything we know to do, but we can't make the seed to grow. We can't make the plant to grow. We can't produce this. I mean, we can provide the right environment that encourages this growth, but ultimately we can do everything we know to do. And, you know, just like that, it can be gone. So even though there's a big part for us to play in the garden, in the end, it's nothing compared to God's part, right? So it's just so beautiful. And I thank you all for coming. And let's just close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the lessons you want to teach us. Um, we thank you for creating the garden. We thank you for creating us to live and work in the garden. We thank you for the lesson of the vine and the branches. Lord, we want you to prune away the excessive foliage. We want you to produce fruit through us for your honor and glory, not for our own. We want to make the world a tastier place to be. So make us more like you, we pray. Teach us how to abide in you continually and fully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.